Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, Senior Vice President of Sales at Biostar Renewables. Really excited about this episode and to have Mark Harima, co-founder and CEO of New Light Technologies on the podcast today. An unbelievable product that I, I have a feeling is going to be an important part of all of our lives going into the future, to our future. Mark, thank you so much for joining us and uh, really looking forward to digging in here. Thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show. And this is really a, a revolutionary uh, kind of biomaterial that you've developed. You call it air carbon. Before we dive into that, though, talk to me a little bit. Tell our viewers and listeners just kind of a, a little bit about your background and how you ended up uh, founding this company and developing this technology. <laughs> um, well, we're coming up on on 19 years. So um, when when I talk about my my background. Um, it's the only thing that I've ever done in my adult life. So <laughs> my background is effectively New Light. But um, prior to New Light, I was, um, uh, I guess, I guess to the somewhat condensed history, uh, huge science nerd in, in high school. Uh, I was on the National Oceanographic Science Bowl team. Uh, so much science, in fact, that when I got to college, I was a, uh, I started to do philosophy and, and religion and politics, I ended up being a, a politics major. Um, but I got really sick my junior year and couldn't figure it out for about a year. In the end, it turned out to be celiac. But in the course of that frustration, I uh, decided that I wanted to do a post-bac and go to medical school. So science has always been a meaningful part of, of my life. Um, and part of the reason that I like politics was because I, I thought that it was really interesting to look at how you could find a convergence where you could design systems that harnessed you know, the, the, the forces that are actually there. It's part of why I love the or at least the, the basis of the American system. But where that translated to in terms of environmental stuff was finding market-driven solutions to solving for ESG-type challenges. And so in the midst of all of this, uh, and this is before uh, I had figured out what was going on with on my, my own health side, I came across a newspaper article about methane emissions from, from cows. Um, and it talked about how each each dairy cow was burping about 600 liters of methane per day. And so everything that kind of led to that moment was got me thinking about, well, people are talking about taxing carbon and, and burying it underground. But if you do the math on how much methane is, is coming out at a farm, it turns out to be about $20, $20 per cow per year, at least at the time, which for a thousand cow farms, about $20,000. And so it, it started this journey of asking the question, what else can we do with carbon emissions that we could, instead of just letting them go into the air or, or taxing or burying them, um, is there a market-driven, consumer-driven pathway here that could really sort of potentially unlock scalability? Awesome. Well, you've... Uh... I love that you've committed kind of your whole adult life to it. I think that's amazing. Uh, and congratulations on the persistence. And um, I've been, as a 
part of learning about your company saw a great video that I, I recommend all of our viewers and listeners go find. We can include it in the show notes, actually. Uh, I think it was on the CNN's website, sort of a special, and it shows your plant out in Huntington Beach. And um, just big congrats for getting this product to where it is now. So let's dive into Air Carbon, your product. Um, kind of tell us about your product, the journey, kind of you kind of took us back to the beginning there. So um, dive in a little deeper and tell us how how the process works. Yeah. So a- after reading that newspaper article, it was called Getting the Cows to Cool It uh, <laughs> in the LA Times. And um, uh, so it, it started this, this series of questions of what else can we do with, with, with carbon emissions? And uh, over the, the series of months that followed, um, we discovered uh, myself and, and our co-founder, Kenton, uh, we discovered that there are microorganisms that exist throughout nature, including in the ocean, that eat greenhouse gas as their food source. Um, a good example of this is, if you recall back in the, the BP oil spill, there were a number of, of articles that came out in National Geographic and otherwise, and they talked about this sort of mystery, which was there was all this methane bubbling up from these, these leaks um, but for some reason, a lot of it wasn't reaching the ocean surface. The question was, well, why? And what they discovered was that there were microorganisms in the salt water that were eating the methane as, as it was bubbling through that water. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that these microorganisms, not only were they eating the methane uh, and growing, but they were also building a material inside of their cells. Uh, and that material is called PHB. So PHB is this really fascinating material, um, in part because so few people know about it. If you ask sort of, uh, you know, myself growing up, what's PHB? I'd say I have no idea. But it's this uh, material that's in almost all living things. And it's made as an energy storage material. And, and, and the reason that matters is if you extract this material and you purify it, because it's an energy storage material, you have to apply a whole bunch of heat to it. But when you do that, something happens, it melts, it melts. And then if you cool it, it can be formed into a a solid shape. So all of a sudden you have a replacement for plastic, but because it's made throughout nature, um, it is a biologically degradable material. Nature sees it as a food source, like a leaf or a banana peel. Mm -hmm. And so we said, well, hold on a second. So you have a process that when it happens in nature, it's a carbon negative process. Um, and it creates a material that can be used to replace plastic, but because it's naturally occurring, uh, won't accumulate in the same way that, that normal plastic does. So we were really compelled by this concept and, um, it took us about 10 years to go from lab scale to pilot and finally small commercial scale to basically replicate the same process that's happening in the ocean, but do that on land. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And I've, I've seen, so you make basically a material, right? Uh, um, and it'd be helpful if we had the video somehow weaved into the podcast, because when you see it, you really understand it, but it's being used in a lot of applications. Um, talk a little bit about kind of where it's been successful as, as you've grown into, as you put it, small commercial scale and where you see the most room for growth. Sure. Um, so if I step back just a little bit, the way our production process looks now, if you come to our plant, you'll see a big old tank and it's about 10 feet wide and about 50 feet tall. And uh, you can kind of think of that tank like a slice of the ocean. Effectively, we've got 
that tank, we fill it with salt water, and then we add these naturally occurring microorganisms. We feed them air and greenhouse gas. Those gases bubble through the tank. Microorganisms eat those, and then they start to fill their cells with, with air carbon, kind of like, like muscle. Um, and then we run them through a high-pressure filtration process. We isolate the air carbon into a fine white powder. And then in that form, we can melt it and turn it into pellets. And once we have those pellets, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can do with them. Um, in, its, in its raw form, it, it resembles very closely uh, from a performance basis to polypropylene. Now, polypropylene is the second largest volume uh, plastic in the world. And so that means it can go into a lot of spaces. We said, all right, we're going to be material limited for a long time to come. This is a just absolutely enormous industry. So we're always going to be material short. Um, where can we have the most impact today, both, both economically and also environmentally? And so if you look at what's happening in the oceans, the oceans are basically filling up with two things, fishing equipment and foodware. And so we made the decision that we wanted to help. We wanted to use air carbon to help address the ocean plastics uh, problem. And so uh, we've decided to move fairly heavily into foodware. So we started by launching our, our straws uh, as well as our cutlery. Uh, we're getting ready to launch a whole range of other products as well. Um, but, but that's really a, a key focus. So over the past year or so, we've been bringing that to market. Um, and we've been really excited to team up with Shake Shack. Uh, we're now in a, a whole range of, of additional customers uh, over a thousand uh, locations today and, and growing. Um, and so that's been a really exciting uh, growth pathway for us. But uh, foodware is not the only thing that, that air carbon can do. A few months ago, we announced a, a deal with, with Nike where we're using air carbon, uh, working to explore ways to, to, to help Nike reduce its carbon footprint uh, by using air carbon. Um, we just signed a deal with an automotive company a few weeks ago um, and so there's a number of application spaces outside of food where, uh, look, our, our goal is to use air carbon as a tool uh, to help people either reduce their use of plastic or reduce their carbon footprint or, or both. It's amazing. Shake Shack. I mean, Nike, these are, these are big companies, right? These are companies that uh, have a, obviously a massive presence. One of my questions um, that I, I didn't really have kind of in our notes, but it's just come to me. I mean, knowing what I think, do you just have the one location in California now? I, I would imagine you have a lot of room to grow just within those customers that you are already serving, um, which is amazing. And, um, you know, I know you're kind of also working on a lot of other things. So how scalable is the, the technology, right? I mean, can you go and replicate this? all over the world. That's one of my big questions is how scale was it? Because it seems like the, the uses for it are nearly endless. Yeah. Well, look, we're, we're only in this for large scale impact. Um, and so everything that we've done over the past almost 19 years has been in view towards uh, large, large scale impact, which is ultimately through scalability. And um, so the way that we're planning to move forward now is we've built kind of a, what we call a module at, uh, at our Huntington Beach facility, uh, which we call Eagle 3. So that Eagle 3 module, um, we're now uh, working really hard to, to uh, add a whole bunch of those at our next site. Um, and 
look, our, our goal is to our next big benchmark, and this is going to take uh, quite a bit of time, but we want to get up to 20 billion pounds per year of production. That's the amount of plastic currently flowing into the ocean every year. And wow. so that, that's our vision is to get to a point where we can say, look, we don't have to keep using this same material for these applications that often end up in the environment. Yeah. Um, now, we don't want to see anything end up in the environment, but if they do, let's make sure that they don't accumulate. Um, what's exciting to us about, about air carbon, though, is it offers ways to help prevent it from getting into the environment to begin with. And, th- and that's true on two levels. Number one, the way that nature made this molecule is it just so happens that it's dishwasher safe. So you can create products that are, that are reusable. Um, so that's, that's one thing. The second thing is that um, this material is uh, what we call anaerobic digester degradable. And you guys are obviously extremely familiar with digesters. So what that means is you can put, for instance, our straw in an anaerobic digester and it will degrade. In fact, in, in the ASTM test on this, 95% gone in 15 days. So um, very rapid degradability. And what that means is you now have a new pathway for recycling, uh, biological recycling. You know, the, the, the current recycling uh, structure is just, it has so many problems. Nine out of every 10 of every plastic part is, is not recycled. Um, so it, it's effectively not working. Um, and so we're really excited about using air carbon, not just as a way to prevent the accumulation of plastics in the environment by virtue of going away, but also let's make sure they don't end up there in the first place. Sure. That's fascinating. And I think it's really cool that you've kind of targeted um, some of your small commercial production around things that are ending up in the ocean. I saw that on your video, um, one of the videos that I saw that if it does end up in the ocean, it'll degrade in just a year. Whereas I think plastic, uh, you would know better than me, would take much longer if ever it would be able to degrade in the ocean. Probably not. So talk a little bit about just kind of useful life and and degradability you touched on it there uh how you dispose of it how many times could you run one of your forks or straws through the dishwasher before um you know you'd want to dispose of it i guess uh just to kind of simplify it well it probably won't come as any surprise but if you if you go to my home uh about half of my my drawers are filled with with air carbon uh knives and forks and so forth (laughs) so um, I've been using that stuff for uh, probably three years now uh, wow. in and out of the dishwasher, and with no no signs of of degradation. Uh, it's hydrogen. Yeah, and look, that's again that nature made it that way. Um, so there was a little bit of luck in, in that regard, um, but it's one of those things that's uh, really fun to uh, because it's readily testable. So if, mm-hmm. if you go to Target today, you can get our cutlery and. You can test it yourself and um, it's great. So um, uh, in terms of degradation time, so this is a a space that there's a lot of nuance, there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of uh, rules and legislation. So the the basic gist is that this is a naturally occurring material. So that means that microorganisms understand how to eat it as a food source. Now, the time that it takes to go away is dependent on, on a couple of things. First is the thickness of the part. You can imagine if you have a really thin part, microorganisms can eat it faster. If it's a really thick part, it just takes longer for those bugs, as we call them, to, to eat that material. Makes um, 
yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing is the overall conditions that uh, largely the temperature that, that it's in and how much microbial activity. So in a wastewater treatment plant uh, or an anaerobic digester, there's, it's, it's hot. There's a lot of my, microbial activity. They're just ready to eat anything that, that comes into that space. Um, your home compost is, is a little bit slower, right? It's a little bit colder. There's less activity. And then the ocean is kind of the, the hardest. It's, it's the coldest. There's the least amount of microbial activity. So how does that play out in terms of end product? If you take one of our straws um, in an anaerobic digester, uh, in ASTM testing, it takes about uh, 15 days to go away, 95%. Um, we've passed uh, TUV, which is a, one of the certification bodies for home compost. Um, and so I believe that's somewhere between the six to 12 month range to go away in a, in a backyard home compost type setting. And then uh, in when we, there used to be a standard for ocean degradability testing, uh, not to uh, throw out some uh, foreign language here, but it was ASTM uh, D6691 7081. And basically what that was, was you took ocean water at a, at a set temperature and you had three things in there, normal plastic, which effectively we don't know how long it goes, takes to go away because uh, it, it takes so long that we haven't seen it. Um, and then there's cellulose, uh, which is effectively what's, what's in paper and then whatever you're trying to test. So to pass that test, you have to show that you go away as fast or faster than the cellulose control. So our straw took about just over a year to go away. Um, now, if you use thicker parts, all those timelines would, would be longer. Sure. But the main point is that because this is a naturally occurring material, um, eventually it will go away. And then how you communicate that is, is nuanced in, in all the ways that I mentioned. Sure. You talk about being carbon negative uh, for our listeners and viewers who might not know what that means. Talk a little bit about what it means to be carbon negative and, and you know, specifically to your product. Sure. Um, so if you think about a tree growing, uh, one day it, it doesn't have a leaf. And then the next day, well, m- many days, <laughs> weeks, months. Um, it, it grows a leaf. And so the way that it's growing that leaf is by pulling carbon dioxide out of the air uh, and using that to synthesize material. Um, and so because you have uh, effectively renewable power driving that, the sun, um, and you're using uh, that, that greenhouse gas from the air, that is a net carbon negative process. You're re- reducing the amount of carbon in the air. And so when microorganisms uh, it, throughout nature eat either methane or CO2 and use it to grow uh, PHB, the molecule that we make inside their cells, that's also a net carbon negative process. Um, and so when you finally translate that to what we do, we use renewable power and uh, sustainable sources of, of greenhouse gas, and we feed those to microorganisms. So we're effectively replicating that same carbon negative process that happens in nature. We're doing that on land. So net, net, as a result of our operations, relative to the baseline, there's less carbon uh, in the air. And so uh, in order to certify that, we use third-party uh, life cycle assessment uh, groups to, to get our LCAs. Um, we also use IBM blockchain tracking to monitor all of our carbon inputs and outputs. Um, so we, we work as hard as we can to, to quantify exactly what the carbon reduction impact is of our process. But the easiest way to think about it is kind of just replicating what what happens in nature. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's helpful. Thank you. And you talk about this is all really interesting. And I'm on board, by the way. I'm going to Target. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. I'm going to Target. I'm going to hopefully they have it here in the Kansas City store because I want to try this at home. Um, but you talk about we actually look a lot at, at Biostar. We have some podcast episodes on kind of the new modern day consumer and that the, the new modern day consumer is discerning. And, you know, for a buck, they'll, they'll make a, a purchase that makes them feel good. Right. And sustainability is, is kind of more important than ever in consumer products, we think uh, from that standpoint, but at the end of the day, the products have to be good enough that you can use them. Right. And hearing that you've run them, through a dishwasher for two or three years. That is amazing to me. Cause I mean, I think of solo cups, you know, being in college or people you know, they'd wash their solo cups. And it's like after two or three washes through a dishwasher, you know, you really didn't want to use that cup anymore. It was all warped and who knows what it was leaking. Right. Um, talk about on your website, you talk about having to compete on both performance and price. Talk a little bit about how you stack up to, um, you know, competitive products, which I think are plastic and leather and other products. Uh, I know I saw there was some interesting stuff going on kind of around the fashion world and, and looking into making fashion products and clothing items, which I know, you know, have a big carbon footprint. So talk about how you stack up on performance and price and, and your focus there. Yeah, I mean, look, my my favorite way to talk about this is is to just put products in front of people and, and ask them what they think. Um, yeah. So hopefully you do get a chance. We can send you uh, some samples too. Um, and if they're if they're out of stock at, at, at Target, just go to Target.com. But um, but yeah, when you use that fork, what you're gonna find is that this thing is not you know it's not that flimsy fork that you can't even poke into lettuce. Right. Uh, it's long enough where, uh, you know, you could, you could, you could cut it, anything with the knife and hold that for it. Anyway, it's going to feel like a very tough, strong piece. Um, and, and that is, is so important um, because yes, people want to be in sustainable spaces, but you can only sacrifice so much. And I think the yep. paper straw is a fantastic example of that. It's like, yeah, yeah we don't want to see plastic straws in the environment. Uh, but it's pretty tough when, when the straw is soggy halfway through your drink. And so you have to have this trade off. Part of the reason that we launched straws early on was because we wanted to show people that, Hey, look, now all of a sudden you've got a smooth, never soggy straw that in so many ways behaves just like the plastic straw that you're using, but the naturally occurring material, um, and has the opportunity to go away. So, um, what we've been really working towards has been this, this important middle ground of like, I just don't think that we get very far when we just kind of shout at each other and and tell each other what we should or shouldn't do. Let's find the things that we agree on. And here's a product that we worked really hard to get to that middle point of it works really well. Um, in terms of, uh, economics, we, we price similarly to other sustainable materials on the market. So that puts it in, in an important range. And then, um, and then also have that great sustainability, but, but first and foremost, starting with performance that, uh, that people can enjoy the product. Absolutely. Well, um, we'll start to kind of wrap it up here. You have 
so many different ways you can grow your business and a lot of work cut out for you to do that. Um, I mentioned earlier, just congrats on getting, you know, to where you are over the last 18, 19 years, but what are you most excited about as you look at the next five, 10, 15, um, you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I think it's two things. Um, one is, I, I'm not too big to admit that I still get really, really, really excited. If I go into a store and I see one of our products or someone texts me and says, Hey man, I'm at, I'm in so-and-so place and here I see one of your products. You know, I remember when this thing was just a kind of crazy idea and now all of a sudden we're seeing it out in the world. I remember the first day I went to Shake Shack and, and they're not using plastic anymore. They're using air carbon and it was funny looking around the room, everybody's using our product. No one knew the difference, right? Maybe they saw something on the wrapper. Um, of course, no one knew what, what the journey was behind that. But that's okay, because it, we want to start to integrate into, into society in a way that feels seamless. So that part is really exciting to me, just seeing it in more and more locations, uh, just a bigger and bigger part of, of, of what society's doing. The second thing is just expanding our production capacity. Um, and this is where I'm spending a lot of my time is, is focusing on how to add more capacity faster. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a frustrating, daunting, motivating thought to think that we could, we could grow over the next decade in a pretty successful way. And we would still be such a fraction of the overall plastics footprint. Um, and so we're going to need to figure out how to grow so much faster um, to, to really solve uh, the issues in front of us, or at least help solve the issues in front of us. So those are the two things I get really excited about. More and more product out there in the market, uh, and then also getting capacity really, really accelerated um, so that we can have the impact that, uh, that we set out to make. Awesome. Mark, uh, tell our listeners and viewers how they can connect with you or find more information about, um, about new light and air carbon online. Sure. Um, look, the easiest way is just go to newlight.com. Uh, we've got communications channels between, uh, directly online and, and through our, our social channels. Um, if you're interested in our foodware products, uh, right now those are sold under restorefoodware.com and then our fashion products are under covalentfashion.com got a bunch of exciting things coming so uh yeah if if you want to join our mailing list uh we should have some pretty fun news here coming out soon absolutely we will put those in the show notes as well shake shack is not on my diet right now but we are a relatively new recipient of a shake shack in kansas city here so twist my arm i, I better go try out those forks this weekend i think so it's important to do to do market testing i think Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. This has been awesome. I really look forward to um, staying in touch with you and, and continuing to follow your journey. And like I said, congrats again on everything you've achieved thus far. Awesome. Well, David, thank, thanks so much for having me. It's nice speaking with you. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.